Today's podcast is brought to you by The Crochet Comedian at Etsy.com. If you've ever been looking online for something that's unique and personal for a gift for an upcoming event or a friend's birthday, this is the place to go, Etsy. It's people who craft their own things, not big major corporations, and you can check out Shell Baxter's work. She's a podcast listener, and she's at Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash The Crochet Comedian. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast. Brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast. It's Rick Roberts here at the headquarters of the School of Laughs. Today I've got what I call a mailbox, mailbag episode. I'm going to try to answer a few questions that have come in over the past couple of weeks. Uh, some are a couple of months old. They've just been piling up, and I wanted to take some time just to kind of go through the list and answer some questions. Also, we have some fix-it jokes, people that have sent in a joke where they didn't quite feel it was firing on all cylinders. They wanted maybe my take on it. And I'm going to give them my take, but I also want you to uh, email me if you have an idea for one of their jokes that may work, a tagline or a punchline or maybe a restatement of the premise, anything that can help that joke pop a little bit more. Feel free to email that to me at schooloflaughs at gmail.com, and I'll make sure they get it. And uh, hopefully they'll utilize it, test it out, and make the joke stronger. I'd like to read a quick iTunes review. This came in from Paul Elliott back on February 14th. says, Rick does a great job of laying out the process of developing your voice as a comedian and writing jokes that are effective for that voice. He also interviews lots of people with unique perspectives on the business. Hey, thanks, Paul, for that quick iTunes review. Uh, if you, anybody out there listening leaves us one, I'll read it on the air. And I appreciate it. It keeps me motivated. All right, it's time to open up the email bag and find out how email got out of the computer and into the bag. Hey, I get a lot of questions each day, you know, several each day from podcast listeners. Uh, sometimes it comes in through email, schooloflast at gmail.com if you want to send us one that way. Some people ask questions via Twitter. It's at School of Laughs on Twitter. Uh, this one came in from Gino Vicario, who says, hey, I love the podcast. I can't get enough of listening to people talk about comedy. And I really love the Scott Dunn episode where they talked about writing comedy. I've been doing that for a few years now, mostly screenplays, a little bit of stand-up, some monologues. But I've really tried to make a habit out of writing jokes every day. Do you have any advice or tips for websites or places that I could submit jokes to kind of stay on top of my game? Gino, very good question and a very common question. Once you get rolling, staying accountable is really key. I saw an interview with uh, Jerry Seinfeld recently where he keeps a big calendar on the wall. And every day he writes, he has a red mark that goes across the calendar. And he tries to keep that chain unbroken and write every day. And when he sees that he eventually gives in or someday pops up where he can't keep writing, it just destroys him. So just visually looking at that each day gives him a reason to write. If you're looking to get your writing out there and develop a following, even not on stage but in the Internet world, uh, this is a cool website you might want to check out. And some of you may know this already. It's called ComedyWire.com. Now, ComedyWire.com, think of it as a Facebook just for comedians, just for comedians to post their jokes. All right. So instead of 
scanning through all your Facebook feed to find out who says something funny or what have you. People go here specifically to look for jokes. You kind of build up your reputation on that site, and people start to follow you on there if they want and can retweet and post your jokes out there and give you credit for it. But basically, it says you write jokes, you get noticed, and you earn rewards. So what it is is a home for humor on the Internet written exclusively by you. Everybody posts topics, news articles, top tens, etc., and the community of over 5,000-plus amateur and pro comedians will write jokes for those topics, and that way you build your own audience. Each month, they give away prizes. They earn rewards that you can uh, turn in for writing sessions with professional comedians and different things. So very cool site. You can check that again, comedywire.com. Great place to post your material and stay current, develop a following, and also earn the respect of your fellow comedians. Our next question comes in from Tyler Slinger. Tyler listens to our uh, podcast. He says he enjoys it, and he's a computer programmer who's aspiring to do a little stand-up. He's wondering, when does he know that he has enough stand-up to hit an open mic? How much time should he be prepared to do? Tyler, great question. Most open mics, if they've never seen you before, they're probably going to give you about five minutes. They might give you a little bit less if it's a busy night with a ton of comics, but somewhere between five and seven is reasonable to tackle. When you first start out, that might seem like a lot. After a while, it doesn't seem like much at all. So it's about making the most of that five-minute set. How many jokes can you put into a five-minute set? There's a question for you to think about. You really don't know unless you time your jokes out. It's going to be hard for you to know exactly how long your jokes are because you can't do them in front of a crowd, but you can certainly say them into a microphone, time them with your stopwatch, and get a general idea of how long that joke is. Once you know, write that in parentheses next to the title of your joke, and you'll be able to assemble a set list fairly accurately, at least in the early going on, until you have some crowd laughter to build in there and get a true sense of how long those jokes are. Hopefully that helps out, Tyler, and good luck on your open mics. This question comes in from Dylan Perkins. Dylan says, hey, how many times should you try out a not-so-good joke and rewrite it over and over again before you realize that it's just time to scrap it? Or should you never scrap it and give it some time before you address it again? Dylan, good question. Uh, we fall in love with our jokes and premises sometimes, and it seems like the crowd does not. They don't see the beauty or the cleverness in them, and we do got to rewrite them. Uh, I think two questions uh, in there. You know, The first is, how many times should you try a not-so-good joke out? Never try out a not-so-good joke. <laughs> you know, Wait till you've got it pretty good and then try it out. Now, I know what you're saying. You've got a joke that didn't work, and you're trying it out again. How many times should you do that before you scrap it? What I always try to do is get a joke out there at least three times. Three times you're going to be in three different environments. Probably the crowd's going to be a little bit different. And if that joke works two out of three times, I know I've got something. I just have to figure out what's missing to make it work all three times. Then I'll try it again, try to get it three out of five, five out of seven, until eventually I get it towards every single show. So how long should you wait? Uh, don't wait too long. Get back on stage as quickly as you can with some tweaks and some rewrites and see if you can make it work. And if it doesn't, then at that point, you know, five or six times, you're just out there and nothing's happening. Set it to the side and come back to it sometime when you're a little bit more skilled at telling jokes and writing punchlines. You might find the perfect thing to say at that point. So come back to it with a little time off if you really, really like the idea. You know, there's a term here in Nashville that you can't uh, butter a biscuit and call it gold, which means uh, sometimes it is what it is. And no matter how much time you spend trying to fix something, it's always going to be just what it is. You can't change some things. So I hope that helps you. I hope it's not a uh, negative answer, but, you know, give it a few shots, set it to the side if it doesn't work, and come back to it later. Thanks, Dylan. 
This email question came in from Brent Mulberry. You can follow Brent at Brent Allen Live, B-R-E-N-T Allen, A-L-L-E-N Live. He says, Rick, I've got a question for you. Something happened to me tonight, and I wondered after listening back to the recording, what would Rick say about this? All right, pressure's on. So he said, I was out there doing a show, and I had two instances where I had tried and true jokes, jokes that have worked a hundred times, and they got nothing, zero from the audience. And oddly enough, there were a couple places where I had some off jokes that really aren't that funny. They got big last tonight. So the question is, how do you recover on stage from a joke that falls completely flat? What do you do in a moment immediately after where there's nothing? Because I'm sure how I responded, which is to pause, look around in the room and say, seriously, nothing? All right, then. And move on was not the right way. But I was thrown by it, and I had no tool to go to for moments like that. Okay, Brent, this is a great question. Over time, some jokes that are tried and true just don't show up, you know? It's just like LeBron James. That guy's tried and true, but you look at his stat lines from some some of the games, nothing. Like he's just barely hanging in there, not his normal self. So a couple things could be at play there. One is, and I think you even mentioned it here in your email, very long show. It was a two-and-a-half-hour show, and you went up at the two-hour and ten-minute mark. That, to me, is the first thing that probably caused it. Uh, and maybe those jokes were on topics that had been talked about plenty enough by the earlier comedians or maybe touched on just enough to where your joke didn't pop like it normally does in a two- or three-act show. So that could be part of it. Uh, audience fatigue in general might be part of it. If the audience is all cool, it could actually be something that we're in control of. You know, sometimes over time, jokes that we've had that are tried and true do fall flat, and it's because we're not telling them like we told them when we first wrote them. Like, I know when I write a joke the very first time I get it on stage, I'm excited to tell it. I kind of pause a little bit. I punch it up. I deliver it like I'm really selling it. And after I know where the laugh is, that shine kind of comes off of it for a while. I know for sure, and I can tell you right now, all my biggest laughs in my show are from my newest material. And that's a sign I need to go back and make my tried and true material seem like it's brand new and bring some freshness to it again. So that kind of addresses why it may have happened. What do you do if it happens? A couple of options. One, you just move right along. Don't bring a lot of attention to it. You know, when I was in broadcasting back in college, they said, don't celebrate a mistake. In this case, you'll be celebrating silence and drawing attention to the fact that the joke didn't work to people who may not have even noticed that you missed the punchline or that the punchline didn't work. So you can ignore it, keep plowing through, or you can do something like you did and say, hey, seriously, nothing, and then keep moving on. One line I used to do when I had a joke like that, I would say, that one was brought to you by AwkwardSilence.com, where jokes go to die. For more on that, visit AwkwardSilence.com. And that would get a laugh, and i get right back into my show. If I found I had to use that more than once in my act, though, uh, the second time wasn't as funny. So uh, maybe write a couple of lines like that. But just have a go-to line for when something fails, and it's really obvious that everything fails. Uh, a lot of old-school comics would say something like, man, when you guys don't like a joke, you don't mess around. Now, that is an old kind of stock line. Wouldn't exactly say a hacky line, but a stock line. But something to that effect is what you want to shoot for, just to let them know, hey, I realized something misfired there. Uh, I just want to address the elephant in the room. Then you kind of move along. So hopefully that helps out, and hopefully you get earlier on in the next show instead of the two-hour and ten-minute mark, and you were comic number 22 out of 30. You're a trooper, man. Hang in there, Brent. Thanks for the question. Our last mailbag question comes in from Ed Wiley. Ed's a uh, podcast listener and student of the School of Laughs, and uh, I've got to know him over the past year. He has a great question. He has a show coming up in the Atlanta area soon. It's a bar owned and operated by veterans, lots of military memorabilia and stuff around the room, and it's going to be an older conservative crowd. Any tips? 
Hmm, great question, Ed. First, I would make sure you're locked and loaded and ready to go into that situation and make sure you're well-armed in case the show doesn't go well and they turn on you. Other than that, anytime it's an older crowd, uh, conservative aside, if it's just an older crowd, the key is to speak slower, louder, a little bit louder, and give them time to laugh. Uh, I've done shows in Branson, not bragging there, but I've been to Branson a couple times. And that's where your grandparents bring their grandparents to see a show. They're very old. And what I found after the show, sometimes people say, I knew you were funny, but I was afraid to laugh because I thought I'd miss the next thing you were going to say. I mean, we're talking here in Aid City out there, man. So they, they really did stop and not even laugh. They just wanted to hear what you were saying. They were laughing on the inside. So give them time to actually laugh out loud early in your set so that they trust themselves to laugh. They don't clam up, and by doing that, they should give you enough laughs where you feel comfortable and confident on stage, and you can kind of keep the ball rolling. So just realize you're there to entertain them. Uh, They're not there for you sometimes. Sometimes you're there for them, and if it's one of those shows, just be present and uh, give them what they need. I'm sure you'll do a great job down there. As far as a conservative crowd, hey, man, you're going to bump into all those things out there, sometimes liberal, sometimes conservative. The key really is, though, you got to stay true to yourself and your material. If it's not the crowd for you, it's not the crowd for you. You live and learn. You also get your point across to some people who may not be like-minded thinkers. But either way, I wouldn't try to cater to the crowd too much. Uh, I wouldn't go out of my way to offend them. But I would definitely give them my best set with my best material. And the ones that like you will like you. If you lose a few, no biggie. Hope that helps. And let me know how the show goes there, buddy. That sound means I'm going to try to fix a joke. Uh, This joke came in from Susan B. Sussman, and she wondered if I could help her figure out a punchline or some options to make this joke really pop. Uh, The description of the joke, she's talking about a trip of a lifetime that they took to Europe. The flight was delayed by six hours. They missed connections. Very frustrating, and they almost canceled the whole trip. So here's her joke based on that story. Uh, We had a six-hour delay out of Norfolk International. International? We couldn't even get to blank. What can go in that blank? She's tried Suffolk, which is a nearby city, uh, 7-Eleven, Chuck E. Cheese, New Jersey, all kinds of different things, but the joke's just not hitting. What would you guys put in that line? International, we could barely even get to what? You know, some ideas I was thinking of is just keep it simple right there in the airport. We couldn't even get to Terminal B, couldn't get to the food court, couldn't get to the International House of Pancakes. Any of those things might work. You might want to try those out, Susan, and see if you get a response with those. Fellas, ladies out there listening, what would you put in the blank to help her fix that joke? Send your idea to me at schoolofglass at gmail.com, and I will forward it on to Susan, and we'll hear back from her and see how it goes. This next fix-a-joke idea comes in from Corey Clark. Corey has a joke that's just not getting the response he wants, one specific part. And let me just read to you the joke and see what we can do to kind of break it down. Here's the joke. Studies have shown that there's a direct correlation between the literal meaning of a person's name and what they become later on in life. So I wanted to name our kid Starting NFL Quarterback. I think that's funny. That part works. My wife felt the name NFL Quarterback would put unreasonable expectations on her new but healthy oldest daughter. Plus, you can't name a child that. So we did the responsible thing and named her Wide Receiver. All right, so that last part's not getting the response he wants, Wide Receiver. And I think it could be for a couple different reasons. One... It's not really major misdirection. I mean, you're talking about a position in the NFL with the NFL quarterback, and you change it to wide receiver. It's not that far removed from NFL quarterback. So one thing you could do is name her something that has nothing to do with NFL. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some A position where you expect nothing from someone. 
you know, which I would say maybe president of the United States. Hey, <laughs> there you go. So that's one way you could go with it. They may be getting hung up on the term wide receiver too, you know. Um, there's some connotations that could be associated with that that you're not even thinking about, that the crowd might be dialing in and they don't think it's correct that you're speaking that way about your newborn or even your oldest kid. So uh, it might be just that name, wide receiver. Change it to corner or safety or linebacker or something like that and see if that gets a response. You know, out of all those three options there, you know, linebacker with that hard K sound might give you a chance to get a laugh there. But I would definitely experiment with other jobs outside of the NFL or even take it to a different sporting event like soccer or any sport that you look down upon and just name her like, you know, third place tennis player, whatever that might be. But I think taking it out of the NFL will give you the better chance of getting a big surprise there. I hope that helps, Corey. If you're listening and you've got an idea for how he could fix this joke, send it on to me, schoollast at gmail.com, and I will forward it on to Corey Clark. Thanks, Corey. This fix a joke comes in from Bob Farrell. Bob says, hey, Rick and Gavin, I'm having trouble finding some good extra taglines for the following joke. Having a daughter that is Chinese when you and your spouse are not is hard because of some of the dumb questions you get. She's beautiful. Is she yours? No, we picked up the wrong kid from school again. The Chang family is going to be angry. No, she has not tried to eat our cat. He says these lines have worked out well, but he's having trouble finding additional taglines. Any ideas? Well, first thing, Bob, I would say is I would kind of tighten up that intro, the premise, uh, right now, you say having a daughter that is Chinese when you and your spouse is not is hard because of some of the dumb questions you get. When we break it out phonetically like that, you can hear how kind of long and unnecessary some of that is. So I would say my wife and I have adopted a daughter who is Chinese and we get a lot of dumb questions. You know, I think that's simple enough and you can get right to your punchlines. She is beautiful. Is she yours? Now, you can respond to that with a quick line saying, are you asking because she looks Chinese or because she looks beautiful? inferring that the crowd doesn't think you're a beautiful person and you and your wife maybe don't look great. That's one line you can go with it, be kind of self-deprecating with it. Uh, no, we picked up the wrong kid from school again. The Chang family is going to be angry. I think that works fine. Uh, no, she has not tried to eat our cat. Uh, that's an okay line. You know, I think it's a little stereotypical, but you can maybe follow that up with another stereotypical remark and say, but she has tried to cook it. If you want to go that route. But again, those are low hanging fruit for the joke you've got there. And I think you can aspire to get a little bit better with that and uh, not give the audience kind of what they would expect. A, you always want to raise the audience to your level and B, they may see it coming already. So it's not as funny. Another route you could do is say maybe some of the questions are dumb. They ask her what her name is. And they're expecting you to say something that sounds very Chinese, but you give her like a Muslim name, perhaps a uh I guess maybe a Russian name would stand out or a Mexican name. And that would kind of be funnier and less expected than just giving her a name that sounds Chinese. So a couple of ideas there. Again, I would try to stay away from the eating our cat line because I think you can do better than that. I want the uh, the jokes to challenge the audience a little bit beyond just the normal stereotypes. But I think it's very unique. You know, you've got a, a daughter who you adopted, which is a great thing. You can maybe explore the adoption process a little bit when you talk about that. That's something that as an audience member I'd be interested in and, you know, it could take it a lot of different directions. So hopefully that helps out a little bit and gives you some things to think about. If you're listening and you have the perfect tagline for this joke, send it on into a school of last at gmail.com. Put Bob Farrell in the subject and I will forward it on to him. Thanks, Bob. This fix a joke comes in from Andre L. Churchwell, who's a freelance movie maker. Here's the joke we need to fix up, folks, so listen tight. 
I clearly have a bad job because on the very first day, me and my coworkers are planning and fantasizing how we would quit. I'm going to hand someone a bare handful of popcorn and ask, do you want butter with that? My idea was to wet the front of my pants with some mellow yellow and act like everything is fine to every customer. Rick, Gavin, can you guys help us? Well, Gavin's not here today, but I'll try to take a stab at this, Andre. Uh, so you got a new job. You're at the movies where you work, and you're trying to find a way to get fired, uh, not quit. So that's one way to rephrase the premise. I have such a bad job, or my new job is so bad, I can't wait to get fired. That gives the audience a direction of where you're going. Uh, if you're going to quit your job, you probably just walk out the door and wouldn't do anything. So you want to get fired is what I'm thinking. So my new job is so bad. I'm trying to find ways to get fired. That's your premise. That puts everybody thinking down one path and they're following one piece of logic. Now you can give them some examples, which aren't exactly misdirection because you're telling them where you're going to go with this. I want to get fired. But if the examples are strong enough, they can be funny. All right. So misdirection should always follow the premise. However, here you're going to be banking on really the fact that you're trying to give them something shocking or surprising. Uh, you're not going to misdirect them, though, because you're telling them that you're looking for ways to get fired. So the first thing, I'm going to hand someone a bare handful of popcorn and ask, do you want butter with that? I think that one's fine. I think that should kind of get a laugh. My idea was to wet the front of my pants with mellow yellow and act like everything is fine to every customer. That line is kind of funny. I think what you've done there, though, is you've kind of buried the punchline. You've spoken too many words past the funny part, which is wetting your pants. And I think if you pause in between... My idea is to wet my pants, give them a chance to laugh there with some mellow yellow. And I'd even say something like with an 84-ounce jug of mellow yellow or whatever those huge sizes they have at the uh, movie theater. Say something like that. Be specific. And then say and pretend everything was cool. Just leave it with that instead of and act like everything is fine to every customer. That's a little wordy. And I think if you just leave it at and act like everything was cool, the joke ends on a punchy part. And it should get a better reaction. So give that a shot. Another idea that I just thought of as far as getting fired from a movie theater, you know, what if you're running into each movie and yelling out the spoilers for the movie and you could pick any movie that's out right now and spoil that for people in the audience? I think that'd be hilarious. I don't go see a lot of movies, so I don't have a ton of examples ready for you. But, uh, you know, any of the big blockbuster movies of the year. Whatever the turning point or the surprises in the movie, yell those out in your punchlines. And I think you'll get a nice mixed reaction from the crowd kind of booing you for giving it away. But the people that have seen the movie will laugh because you did give it away. So a couple of ideas there, Andre. If you're listening to the show right now and you'd like to give Andre an idea, go ahead and send that to us at schooloflaughs at gmail.com. And I'll forward that on to Mr. Churchwell and see how it goes. Also today, we've got a sponsor for the episode. And before I get to that, I just want to let you guys know uh, there are sponsor opportunities available for the podcast. I don't push it very hard, but this year I'm going to mention it more because what I'd like to do is get a lot of these podcasts transcribed. I'm trying to create a couple of books that will help you guys out. And to do that, I need these this information transcribed. I don't have time to do it. Uh, the rates are fairly affordable for transcription services. It's like a buck a minute. And I would just kind of whittle out the most important parts of the podcast and have those transcribed. And what I'd like to do is offer up sponsorships that will help offset the cost of getting these things transcribed. So it's a way for you to help me as well as a way 
for me to help you by creating that material for you guys to reference and to utilize as you get going forward in your comedy career. So if you're interested in that at all, just email me, schooloflaughs at gmail.com, and I will get you the information. You can take a look at it. Some ideas for sponsoring, some things you might want to promote could be your new website, your YouTube channel. If you want to get more followers on your Twitter, give us a sample of your comedy from Twitter, and I'll give your Twitter handle out to everybody so they can subscribe to you and follow you. Any big upcoming shows, new CDs, DVDs you're releasing, festivals you're promoting, any of those things that you're interested in getting the word out to comics and aspiring comedians, this is really a great place to do it. They're all listening every single week. Also, if you uh, sell T-shirts, anything like that you want to get some more exposure for, let me know. I'll also put links to all those things in the show notes, and that will appear on iTunes and Stitcher as well. So get those into me. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a shout, and we'll see if we can get you hooked up. With that out of the way, here is a message from our sponsor. Hey, everybody. It's Shell, the crochet comedian. Not only do I love performing stand-up comedy, but I also love to crochet while listening to School of Laughs podcast, of course. I hope you'll check out my online shop at www.thecrochetcomedian.com. And there you'll find a wide variety of items, from housewares to accessories to dolls and more. From the simplest things like dishcloths, washcloths, placemats, potholders, etc. To more intricate things like throw pillows and afghans. Oh, and even curtains. So again, check out thecrochetcomedian.com. And in the meantime, I hope you're all enjoying the podcast and everybody keep laughing and stitches enjoy thanks again shell for the sponsorship of this particular podcast episode hey on the end here today i'd like to just play a phone message i got from sam beeman sam you may have heard on a couple different podcasts i mentioned he was going through some chemo treatments had a lot of things go on this past year and uh, he was kind enough to take some time out of his day and just let me know how much he appreciated the podcast uh, that goes a long way with me. It keeps me fired up to continue to do these podcasts, and I just wanted to kind of air his little message. He said it was okay to do so, so I'll just roll this, then we'll fade out, and I'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Uh, oh, boy. I got Rick Nicky Mouth. George, let me speak. Hey, hey there, Rick. What is that? Whoa. I do believe that it is my time, my, my time to, 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 to talk to the Mr. Roberts. And, uh, give me that. <sighs> Sorry, Rick. Everybody's just fighting to want to tell you thank you. Uh, it's, what the, oh, oh, hold on one second. <clears throat> thank you, right there. Force is strong with you, Richie. All right, Yoda, that's enough. Goodness, everybody wants to say thank you for your comedy podcast. I mean, it is crazy. This past year, as you know, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, lymphoma stage four, and I've been battling cancer. Uh, going through a lot of chemo and um, uh, and a lot of prayer. And I have been listening to your podcast, which has helped me tremendously because I finally got back out there to do a comedy show, the first one of 2016, and it was a hit, I feel like. And I just want to say, again, hold on one second, one other person wants to speak. Hi there, Mr. Roberts. I just want to say thank you for all you've done for this country. All right, that's enough. <laughs> Thank you again, Rick. I really appreciate it. Keep doing the thing that you do. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.